Gemara Erubin has been sponsored by Mr. Isaac Jamal and his wife Celia for their success, for their children's success, health, happiness, beracha, parnasav, atzlaha, bechol yedehem. Today's daf has been dedicated by Mr. Ike Shehbar in honor of the rabbi, Tiskelem Mitzvot Ike. Today's daf has been dedicated and Amen. We are going to begin on the bottom of Nun Aleph Amud Sheni. The bottom line. Rabah Bar Rav Hanan Havaragil Daate Meartibana Le Pumpadita. So the Gabarat tells us of a practice of Rabah that he used to travel from a city called Artavina to Pumpadita. That she says, he used to make this trip every Shabbat, and he used to be in his house on Erev Shabbat, and it was 4,000 Amma away. So he needed to make a Shivita at the 2,000 Amma point, in order to get him to there, and then from there he can go an additional 2,000. So the custom of Rabbah was, on Erev Shabbat from his house, he would say, Shvitati bimkom ploni. He knew a designated spot, and he would make his uh, Shvita, you know, long distance from his house, verbally. So the Gebarah says, and Amar, he would say, Tehe Shvitati betsinata. My Shvita should be by the Tsinata, by the palm tree that is there. So the Gebarah says, Amar le Abaye, so Abaye tells Rabah, my da'atech, what is your opinion that you're being so lenient? Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Lachak Rabbi Yehuda. Well, first of all, on the previous daf we learned that the only opinion that was lenient as such to make a shivita from your house long distance was Rabbi Yehuda, only according to the opinion of Rav Hizda, the way Rav Hizda interpreted. So he says, what's your opinion? Do you go like Rav Yehuda, and furthermore, ve'amar of Hizda, and you must be also going with Rav Hizda that said, mahloket bimkom ploni, meaning the mahloket between the Yehuda and the Meir is bimkom ploni, when you're making your iruv somewhere else, and the Yehuda will still say, you can make your iruv verbally in a different spot, even if you are at home. So Abaye was questioning Rabbah, is that what you're relying on? You're taking the Yehuda's opinion, the way Rav Hizda explained, First of all, Rav Nachman argued on that. And if you remember on the last daf, we brought a Braita supporting Rav Nachman. And Rav Nachman held that everybody holds. You can't make an Iru verbally from your house. You have to go to the actual spot. So therefore, Rav Nachman, he was supported by a Braita. How could you take the opinion of Rav Hazda? So the Gemara says, Amar le, so Rabbah said, Hadre bi. He said, I retract. Once he heard his opinion, he retracted his opinion, and he did not do it again. Gemara continues, Amar barhamma. Hare amru. We learned, we said, Shabbat yeshlo dalid amot. Which means we learned when a person makes his shivita, let's say by foot, we learned that he gets four amot, which means around that area, he has four amot, 
And then from there he counts 2,000 amah going further. But the area of the Eruv is Konehim in immediate for Amot that's considered his area. Meaning the 2,000 amah begin after the for amah mark. That's when you make an Eruv by foot. So the question was, Hanotenit Erubo, we learned, Yeshlo Dalar Amot Olo, when you put your Eruv, meaning, when you put the Eruv with bread, when you make an Eruv with pat, is it the same law? Which means, do you get four Amot in the spot where you put your bread? We only said it by Eruv Ben Aglaib. Does the law apply also when you Noten Erubo? But I want to know, is, 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 might there be a difference? Amar so Rava says, Tashema, Lo amru me'arbin bepat, Ela lehakel al ha'ashir, Shelo yitze v'yarev beraglav. We have a statement in our Mishnah, That explained, That the reason why we gave a heter, To make an eruf te'umin with bread, Was to be lenient on the ashir, That he doesn't have to actually walk to the spot of the shemitah, but he'll be able to give the bread to a shaliyah, to an agent, and he'll be able to make the eruv for him. So you see that the anyan of eruv bepat is a kula. So the Gemara says, Ve'i amart en lo. And if you're going to tell me that he doesn't get for amot in the spot where he made it, hai le'akel le'achmiru. This is not a kula. It comes out that bread is a humrah. So the fact that the Mishnah said that the bread is a kula, it must be it's a kula as well that you also get the for Amot in the spot, and if you count the 2,000 Amah after the for Amot. So the Gebara says, no. Afilu Still you can call it a Kula. Why? Which means for the fact that the rich man does not have to go out himself, the fact that he can send the bread with an agent, that already is enough reason to call it a Kula, even though it might not be Mekel in other things. Now, even though the Gemara rejects this uh, proof from the Mishnah, Halakha is that you do get four Amot, whether it's Eruv Beraglayim or whether it's Eruv Bepat. And the Mishnah continues. Mi lelech ba'ir We learned this case on, a previous, on the previous daf. We're talking about a fellow that is in his city. He has a house in his city, and he has a house in the next city as well. And from one house to the other, there's 4,000 amma away. And therefore, he wants to get to his second house on Shabbat. So therefore, he has to set up an Eruv 2,000 amma away to give him 2,000 amma walking distance to get to that city. So the Mishnah says, He went out on Arab Shabbat to get to a Makom Shavita in order to allow him to walk to a city. And after he set out on the journey, his friend caused him to return. As we learned earlier, either his friend told him it's too hot or it's too cold. He gave him an excuse and he caused him to go back home. So the Mishnah says, the Biuda says he is still permissible to go on Shabbat further to the 4,000 Amah to the second house. But everybody else in his city cannot. Logic being as we explained, 
since already he went out, once he went out, already now, he's considered an Ani, and meaning he's on the road. And we learned, according to the Bihuda, that if you're on the road, so you're allowed to make your Shivita from far away, in a distance, in a place where you are not. Hidush in this case is even though he ended up going home, but since he did set out, and he does have a house in the second city, so therefore you assume that what? He wants his Iruf to be made, so therefore even though he ended up coming home before Shabbat, since he set out, the Iruf will work. Let's read uh, Rashi. Mishi yatsa me'iro. Lelech be'ir ha'cheret she'me'arbim ba, she'simucha le'iro betoch dalar alafim. He went, let's say, to go to a spot that was 2,000 amah away, in order to get him 2,000 more to get to his second house in the second city. Humutar lilech. Now, Rashi has two interpretations on this case. We are going to go with Rashi's preferred interpretation. In Rashi's first interpretation, he says, the fellow's allowed to go on Shabbat, even if he didn't even specify that he wants a shivitat to be in a certain spot. Rashi, in his first interpretation, it's an automatic. Once he set out to do it, even if he didn't say, shivitati bimkom ploni, it is done. You see that in Rashi's first words, even though he didn't say anything, since he has a house in the second city, which means for sure, when he went back home, his intention was really not to be back home. It was circumstances. He really wants to be in his second house. And therefore, we could assume that he really wanted his shivitat to be in a place that can get him to that second home on Shabbat. Uh, and he's considered like an Ani, meaning somebody that's on the road, that wants to make the Shibita in a far off place, that we said the Deen is Kone. That's Rashi's first Pshat. However, Rashi does reject this Pshat, and in his conclusion he holds that even in this case, he has to verbally say it. He has to say Shibita If he doesn't say those words, it's not automatic. So it's still a leniency. The Hidush of the case is even though he's not Badirich, even though he turned back, still he's considered Badirich because he set out to go on the road. As long as he says Shvitati Bimkom Ploni, he'd be able to walk certainly to there and then walk another 2,000 Amah on Shabbat. Mishnah continues. Rabbi Meir has an interesting opinion over here. He says like this. First of all, the only case where we're lenient, in order to give you an Iruv, long distance, Rabbi Meir agrees, if you're an Ani, Meaning if you're on the road, like we learned earlier. But he doesn't go with this leniency that if you're turned back. Once you're turned back, according to the Bimi'id, you're no longer an Ani anymore. 
now you're back in your house. Now you're not considered on the road. So therefore, your Eruv technically should not take hold, even if you said, it should not take hold over there. Because you're not an Ani anyway, you're not on the road. You came home before Shabbat. But still, Rabbi Meir says, since you wanted your Eruv to be there, your Eruv cannot take hold in your house. Because you clearly uh, stated that you don't want to be here. You want to be there. But it's not going to work there because you're not considered an Ani because you came home. So now you're stuck between the two places. So the Bimi'ir holds that you become or you have the deen of Hamar Gamal, which we learned many times already. That's the guy that's walking between the donkey and the camel where he constantly has to turn because he's being pulled from both sides, which means we have to go the Humrah. We have to assume that he can certainly not go past the Makom Shevita that he wanted because the Makom Shevita does not work over there. And he's not going to be allowed to go beyond his house the other way because maybe the Eruv over there is good. So therefore, he can only go between his house and the Makom Shivita, which means we give him the deen of Hamar Gamala. This is a Hiddush, because till now we always learnt, according to the Bimi'ir, it's nothing. When you're a Ashir, meaning you're at home, you cannot make an Eruv long distance. And if you did, there's no, uh, there's no ramifications. Now we're saying no. Since you wanted the Eruv to be there, you've now relinquished your Shivita in your house. And therefore we have to put the humrah on you that you are stuck. You can only walk between your house and the Eruv itself. Again, if, you, if you're saying that the Shemitah place is not existent, then his Eruv would be in his house, his Shemitah. Then he'd be allowed to walk even 2,000 Ammah beyond his house the other way. But once you're giving him the Hamar Gamaldin, he cannot go beyond his house because maybe the Shemitah is Bimkom Ploni. And he cannot go past there because maybe his Shemitah is... In his house. So therefore, Rabbi Meir puts a stringent deen on this. So let's just review the Mahloket. Rabbi Uda says, even though you had to turn home, you're still considered Me'urav, because you're considered an Ani, because bottom line, you went out, Baderech, that's like an Ani, that Kedush Vitatib Mkomploni. Rabbi Meir says, no, you came home, you're not an Ani. You have a deen of an Ashir. However, since you did intend to put Sha'iruv over there, you lose Sha'iruv. In your house, and now you're stuck, you can only walk in between the places. Now the Gemara analyzes. In the first case of Al Mishnah, what did Rabbi Yehuda say? Rabbi Yehuda said, the fellow that set out to go make the Shivita, then got turned back, he can walk 4,000 Ammah, but everybody else in the city cannot. So the Gemara says, why is he different than them? Ihu is him, Inhu is them. Which means both did not make a Shemitah. He never got there. He was turned around before Shabbat. So therefore, why should the Eruv work for him that he could walk 2,000 Amah from there? Amar Avuna. What are we talking about? Again, he has two homes in two respective cities. And in between the two homes, you have the distance of two Tehomesh Shabbat, meaning 4,000 Amma. 
Kevan de nafak le leorcha, since he set out to go on the road, havi le ani. He has the status of an ani, which means a holech maderech, that we allow him to make his iruv bimkom ploni. But these guys that are home, they do not have the leniency to make their Eruv long distance. Obviously this is following the opinion of Rav Nachman, the way he explained the shita of the Bihuda, that an Ashir cannot make a long distance Eruv, only the Ani, the Hadush of the Bihuda in this Mishnah is what? That he's being Mekel, that he's allowing a fellow that ended up coming home where he's not a Hulchet Derech anymore, the fact that he set out, that's already considered enough. Comes Gemaran says, Tanya Namehacher. Now the bride that support this, Mi Shiesh Lo Shne Batim. Again, a guy has two homes. Ubenehem Shne Tehomesh Shabbat. And in between the two homes, he has the distance of two Tehomesh Shabbat, meaning 4,000 Amma. Kevan Shehazik Baderech. Once already he's muhzak baderek. That means he he literally he gripped the road, which means he started to travel, which means he he left his house already. Kana eruv. So already the eruv is kone, which means you have to leave the house. Once you left the house already, and he has a house in another city, so we know he wants to get there. So automatically, if he says again. Shvitativim komploni. So we're going according to Rashi's second explanation, that is preferred explanation. If he says Shvitativim komploni, it'll work. Devreir biyuda. That's the biyuda's opinion. Yeter alken amar biyoseb biyuda. The biyoseb biyuda even went a step further, and he said, Afilu mitzah o chavero. Even if his friend found him. The Amarloni told them, Limpo, sleep over here, et hamahu, it's hot, don't travel, uh, you know, don't go, et sinahu, or it's cold, which means he didn't end up traveling, he ended up staying with his friend, because his friend told him it's too hot or cold, lemahar mashkim veholech. The next day, the guy could still go to where he wanted to make Shemitah, and then walk the additional 2,000 amma to the second house. Mm-hmm. Now the Gemara is going to explain the Mahlokit. So far we just have opinions of Rabbi Yehuda, and it's actually his son, Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda. Now the Gemara is going to give us two ways to learn this Mahlokit. And the Gemara says, Amar Abba, Lomar alma lo pelige de tzarich. Everybody agrees that he has to verbally say There's no argument with that. Jeez, one of the factors is that you have to verbally say it. There, even the Yosebe, the Yehuda, who is gonna, we're going to see in a second that's a little more lenient, he also agrees minimally you have to say it. Lomar. So what's the Mahloket? The Mahloket is, do you have to actually start the trip? Rabbi Yehuda says you need two things. You need to actually start the trip. Now even if you got turned around, that's okay. You have to start the trip and you have to be Lomar. You have to actually say, Whereas Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda is even more lenient. He says, all you need to do is intend to start the trip. 
Like this fellow intended to start the trip to get to his Makom Shevita, and his friend said, uh, forget about it, just uh, stay, uh, stay over here. And therefore, you could say at that point, uh, so the Biyose is being more Mekel than his father. His father requires two requirements. Whereas according to the Biyose, just Lomar. So long as you intended to go out, that would be enough. That's the way Rabbah understands the Mahlokit. The Rabbi Yosef Amar, Rabbi Yosef learns the Mahlokit a little differently. No, no, no. Everybody holds, you have to start uh, the trip. If you don't start the trip, you're considered an Ashir, and an Ashir cannot make a Shevita bimkom Ploni. He has to actually be there, right? The Heter of Shevita bimkom Ploni was only said by an Ani. And therefore, everybody agrees you need La'azik. Ki Peligi Lomar. The Mahlokir is, do you have to actually verbalize it? Whereas the Biyuda will say that what you need, again, same shita, la'azik, velomar, and according to the Biyuda, the Biyuda, he'll say no. So long as you set out to go in your ma'azik baderich, even though you turn around, it doesn't matter, you don't even have to say anything. In this case, since you have a house in the second city, and it's uh, understood that you really want to get to that uh, house, Therefore, even without saying Shemitatim Komploni, you assume that that's what he was intending to do, to get to the Shemitah and to allow him to walk to the second city. So that's the uh, way Rabbi Yosef learns. So Rabbi Yosef is a little more stringent. He holds, everybody holds your need, Le'azik. The Ma'lokit is just Lomar. So comes the Gemara and says, Keman Azla, according to who is this statement going? Which statement? Had Amar Ula. That which Ula taught. Mi shehazik baderich. Okay, a guy started Arab Shabbat to go on the road. Vehziro havero. And his friend caused him to return. Now look at the language here. Hare muhzar umuhzak. He's considered returned, but he's also considered. Muhzak on the road. Now, these are contradictory terminologies. You know, if you're returned, it sounds like you don't have a shavita. If you're a muhzak, meaning you're on the road, it sounds like you do have a shavita. I mean, how could you be both places? So the Gemara digresses for a second and says, muhzar, lama muhzak. If you're considering as if he's back home, why do then you give him a deen of a muhzak that his eruv should be in eruv? The muhzak, and if you tell me though he's considered muhzak, lama muhzar, then why are you putting him back home? Adrabah, the shivita is a shivita. So what is this double terminology contradictory muhzar and, uh, and muhzak? So the Gemara says, no, no, no. Haki ka'ama, this is what it means to say. Afal pishim muhzar, muhzak. What it meant to say is even though he came home, he is considered muhzak. Oh, so what is Ola saying now? Ola is saying, a guy set out to go. He, he went. And what happened? His friend caused him to turn back. So it's saying, even though he turned back, he's still considered what? As if he is a muhzak. He's considered an ani. And therefore his shivita is going to be good. So the Gemara wants to know, like who is this going like? So the Gemara says, Keman, Kedab Yosef. This must be going like the way Rabbi Yosef understood the argument. The Ali Badr Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yehuda. 
According to the Biyosef, it would be why? Because according to the Biyosef, he held, everybody holds you have to be a muhzak. Okay, good. So he's muhzak. But according to the Biyosef, you don't have to say shvitatibim komploni. You don't have to be lomar. Now in this case over here, it doesn't say that the guy said anything. So therefore, this shita is going like Rabbi Yosef, the way he understood Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, that you just need to be a muqzak, even though you're not a lomar. Again, specifically in this case, because the person has the houses over there, and therefore the assumption is that that's where he wants to go. So comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Yehuda bar ishtata, a story, of Rabbi Yehuda bar Ishtata, it says, Aite le kalkala de pere le Rav Natan bar Oshaya. On Arab Shabbat, Rabbi Yehuda brought a basket of fruit to Rav Natan bar Oshaya. Ki hava azil. So now he wanted to go back home. Now, uh, he needs to go back home. So what happened? Shavke. Ad denahit darga. So he uh, held him until he just walked up one step. And then he tells him, Amar le beat hacha. I want you to sleep here. Limpo. Don't sleep over here. Le machar the next day, kadim veazil. The next day he went back home. Which means like this. Obviously there was 4,000 Amma away. So now he needed to, to get back home. So on the way home, uh, the rabbi, he let him go a little, one step. After one step, he wanted to make him mahzik maderich. Just to go one step, which is a minimal shi'ud, uh, one step, so to speak. And then he told, okay, sleep over here. By telling him to sleep over here, the assumption is he was considered an Ani, and therefore he was Konesh Shavita in the 2000 Amah place. Therefore he allowed himself the next day to walk the whole way back to the city. So the Gemara says, let's just read that sheet for a second. Nahat Darga. Ma'ala mina kebish shaya yored mina aliyah. Which means he just uh, let him go one step down the ramp. Seems, uh, you know, he was going down the uh, stairs over there. Once he made one step down, uh, finished. Mahzik Maderich already. Now already he told him, Bitacha Limpo. So the Gemara says, Keman. Who is that going like? So the Gemara says again, Kerab Yosef, Balibadri Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda. Because again, Mahzik Maderich you need, even though it's minimal. And he didn't say anything. Which means we don't see that the Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda, Bar Ishashta, Ishteta, he didn't say, Shvitati, Bimkomi. So the Gemara says, No, no, you have no proof. I could say it's following Rabbah's interpretation, according to the Biyuda, that says you need two things. You need Hohzak, and you also need Amira. Just because it doesn't say he was Omer, maybe he was Omer. It doesn't tell you the whole details of the story. So therefore, the Gemara says, it's going to be going, going to Rabbah, the way Rabbi Yehuda, now for that matter, the Gemara could have said, it's also going like Rabbi Yosef, according to Rabbi Yehuda. Because even according to Rabbi Yosef, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you also need Huzak and Amira. So why did the Gemara opt to say that it's going like Rabbah, according to Rabbi Yehuda, as opposed to Rabbi Yosef, according to Rabbi Yehuda? 
So the Mefarshim uh, point out reason being because Halakha follows Rabbah. When you have a Mahlok at Rabbah and Yosef, we go with Rabbah. So then we'd rather make the story fit in Aliba del Cheta. Comes the Gemara further and says, Rabbi Meir Omer, Kol Shiachol Learev. What did the Bimi'ir say in the Mishnah? The end of the Mishnah is said, Kol shu yachol la'arev, velo irev, hareze hamar gamal. Which means, in the case where he should have made an eruv, he was in his house, right? Or he came home. In this case over here, he cannot say, Shvitati bimkomi, but if he did, so then already he ruins himself. He becomes Hamar Gamal. He has no Eruv, not in his house, and not in the place. And therefore he can only travel in between from the house to the Makum that he wanted to make his Shemitah. So comes Gemaran says, Ha-Tanina <laughs> We learned already this concept of Hamar Gamal already in a previous Mishnah. In a case of what? Safek. In a case where we have a Safek, that was in the Mishnah on Lamidhe. For example, the case was you have an Eruv, you placed it before Hashikha. It burnt. You don't know when it burnt. You don't know if it burnt before Shabbat. If it burnt before Shabbat, you had no Eruv. Before Hashikha, that means you're back the house. If it burnt on Shabbat, already Yeruv is by the Makom Shemitah, where you put it. Since you don't know, the Bimi'ir said Hamar Gamal. You have to take the stringencies of both. You cannot go beyond that Shemitah, nor could you go the other way of your house. So therefore, the concept of Hamar Gamal was already taught by the Bimi'ir in the case of Safik. And therefore, the Gemara is assuming at this point, this is also a Safik. Which means, we're looking at this case as if when the Bimi'ir says, if a guy says, Shvitati bimkom ploni, it's questionable if it works or not. So since it's questionable, therefore, you can't put him over there, you can't put him in his house because he doesn't want to be there, so give him the Hamar Gamaldi. So the Gemara asks, we know this, anytime it's a Safik, the Bimi'ir gives you the Hamar Gamaldi. So why does it have to be repeated in this case? So the Gemara says, Ah, in the case of a safek, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Omri, Marez Hamar Gamal. Amar of Sheshat, Lo Tema Tamad Rabbi Meir, Safek, Irev, Safek, Lo Irev, Huda, Abi Hamar Gamal. Because you might have thought that Rabbi Meir only says Hamar Gamal in the case where it's a safek. You don't know if the Iruv was there or not. However, Abal Vadai, Lo Irev, Lo Abi Hamar Gamal. But you might have thought in a case where it's Vadai, not an Iruv, like this case. This case, the Bimir conclusively holds this guy's Eruv is nothing because he's in his house, he's in Ashir. You cannot make an Eruv, when you're in your house. It's not a Safik Eruv, it's a Vadai, no Eruv. So you might think, in this case, what you say, Hamar Gamal. It's definitely not a Shivita in that spot. It's still Hamar Gamal. Why? Because he doesn't want his eruv in his house. 
once already he says he wants his Eruv over there, he loses his Eruv by the house. So they, even though it's Vada'i, not an Eruv over there, but he loses the Eruv where he is, and therefore we have to be Mahmid on him. So the Hiddush of the Mishnah is, not only in the case of Safik, if the Eruv is there, we put the Humna of Hamad, but that's obvious. The Hiddush is even in the case of Vada'i, that the Eruv is not an Eruv, the Shemitah and the Shemitah, still, you have to be Hamid, why? Because he doesn't want to be where he is. He, want, he verbally said, I want to be there. True, halakhically, he's not there. But so what? His da'at was there, so therefore he cannot travel beyond his house the other way. That's, that's exactly the case of Hamar Gamal. If, if that Eruv, if that, that's right. Since he doesn't want to be in his house, he cannot, if, if his Shemitah was in his house, then he'd be able to walk the other way of his house. Now, since he does not want to be there, he can all, where, where, where is it possible? It's either he's by his house, or by the Shemitah. So we give him the Humrot of both. We don't let him walk beyond his Shemitah, because could be his Eruv is by his house. So the only safe area that overlaps, that for sure you have no problem, is in between. So therefore the Hiddush of the Mishnah is even in a case where it's not a Safik, even in the case where it's a Vadai, no Eruv, Still, the Bimir holds Hamar Gamal. Now, there's a very important Rashi here that explains to us Pshat in the Mishnah that we learned on Lamidhe, based on this new interpretation. Again, it's a new interpretation, but till now, when we always learned the Bimir, we held if you can't do it, we held finish. It's no, it's no Eruv at all. Now we're saying, no, there's ramifications over here. It does do something enough to limit him how much he can walk. Now, look at the Rashi. Look at the Rashi Safik. Beperik bekol me'arbin, nitkalgil chutz l'tchum. Right? We had a case where you have a Safik. If the Eruv rolled outside the Tchum or not. You don't know if it rolled outside before Shabbat or on Shabbat. Or before Shabbat. Nisraf mebe'ojom. Oh, you don't know if it burnt. When it burnt. Enu Eruv mishachashikha. Hareze Eruv. Which means, if it burnt, if it burnt mebe'ojom, it's clearly... No Eruv. If it burnt after it got dark, clearly it is an Eruv. Then the Mishnah said, Safik mibi'ujum, Safik mishachashecha. If you don't know when it happened, then already the bimir will be yudahomrim, hamar gamal. They both say hamar gamal in that case, because it's Safik. Alma, kol sefeka hamar gamalu. Umatnitin nameh sefekahu. And our Mishnah also is a Safik. It's the same Safik, meaning we're thinking also in this case over here, he doesn't, we don't know if when you say Shvitati bin Kumi isn't a ruv or not. Kamashwa, no, it's not a suffix. It's a vadai. Next Rashi. Lo tema. Next Rashi. Lo tema hatamu de suffix. I live vikana sham shvita be suffix. Lo I live vikana be beto. Who da vi hamar gamalavan. Hecha de vadai lo I live. Kigon hozer ze. Which is this guy over here, Kontri Bimir. He considers him definitely an Ashid, even though he set out to go make the Eruv. The Bimir is Mahmir. He goes, once you turn back, you're, not, you're home. And therefore, you don't have the leniency that the Bihuda gave you. Look at the next Rashi. I just want to give you the highlights of the Zashis over here. Amar now, that's the first explanation of Rashi. I'm giving you the second explanation where Rashi always learns the cases where you're saying, Shvita Tibin Kumi. So read this part. 
the parshina that we explained that according to the Bibi, this guy is considered an Ashir because he came back home. There's no Safek Which is, let's take a case like that. Let's say you know for a fact, you put your Eruv in that spot, and you know for a fact it rolled outside, or it burned for that matter, definitely before Shabbat. According to Bimi'ir, you still hamar gamal. Because bottom line, you don't want to be at home. You want to be where the Eruv is. And therefore, the Hadush is in those cases where the Mishnah later on said that if it burnt definitely before Shabbat, we say, no Eruv, that's only going according to the Bihudah of that Mishnah. But according to the Bimi'ir, if it burnt definitely before Shabbat, still it's going to be hamar gamal. So that she says that that she says Afidu Achil Rabbi Meir Hamar Gamalu the Silek Atzmo BeKavanatom Al Paim Shul Sachini Libeto. Once he already gave a dot that he wants to be where the Eruv is, it burnt before Shabbat. But bottom line, you don't want to be by your house, so therefore you lose the two thousand amah on the other side. Vaish Tamad Diktani Atam BeBeOjom Eno Eruv, and that Mishnah Lam Mirhed that said if it burnt before Shabbat, it's not an Eruv. That's not according to Meir. That must be going according to. Rabbi Yudav, that Mishnah, that says, it's not an Eruv Adai. And therefore, the Bibi will say, even in that case, it is Hamar Gamal. Comes the new Mishnah. Mishi Yatsa Chutz Tathum. A guy, let's say, on Shabbat, he went outside of his tomb. Rashi says, Bimizid, he did it on purpose. Umidat, consciously. Shilol l'shem mitzvah. Not for the purpose of a mitzvah. When you do it for a purpose of mitzvah, so then we learned earlier that if you went out and you can get back to your original eruv, it's mubla, you're within, let's say, 2,000 amah. You can still get back to where you originally were. You can walk it. And then you have your original Eruvah's back intact. Here, it's a different mechanics because you didn't leave for a mitzvah. You left B'mezid on purpose. Now you walk, let's say, beyond your tomb. Now, you're still within, let's say, the 2000 Ammah. So we want to know, could you just walk back into your uh, original uh, area? So it says, Even if he's one amma out, he can just jump back in and he's back into his area, finished. You did it, you're stuck. You can't go back. So if you're within two amot, you can go back. Shalosh lo yikanis. But if you're three amma, you can't. Because remember we learned earlier, according to the Bidi Aizid, wherever you are, you get four amot. But the way you learn the four amot is you get two on each side. So therefore, technically, so long as you put two amot on one side, you can just jump right back into your original tomb. If it's three, no. Because three, you're already, uh, you're already out. So the Gemara is going to explain. Gemara says... 
Gemara says, Amar of Hanina, Hanina taught, Raglo ahat betochat hum, veraglo ahat kutzlat hum. So now already he has one leg inside the tchum and one leg outside the tchum. He's half in and half out. Lo yikanis. Mishnah says he can't go back in. We go according to the leg that's out. Dichtiv, as the pasuk says, im tashiv meshabat raglecha. Now raglecha is one. Raglecha ketiv, which means uh, it says it in a singular. Uh, tense, reglecha, and therefore they're telling you even if one leg is out, so already you're outside yitchum, which means even though we read the word reglecha, which sounds plural, that you're not outside until both your legs are outside, but we read it reglecha. Reglecha would mean regel shilcha. And the Torah is telling you, im tashid b'shabbat reglecha, that you have to even watch your one leg from going out. So therefore we learn according to this opinion, even one leg outside is no good. Now it should be pointed out. The Tanakamava Mishnah that said if you went, let's say, even one Amma outside, you can't go back, because he's of the opinion, he doesn't go with this concept of Tehumim Mubla'im, which means he doesn't go with this concept of if your uh, tome is, you know, overlapping into your original tome. That's, that's a leniency. Obviously, the Bili Ezzet holds like that. That's why he said if you have two Amma, you can jump right back in. Tanakam has Mahmir, that we don't go with this opinion of Tehumim, uh, Mubla'im, Zebet In any event, one leg, according to this first opinion of Rav Hanina, he is considered out. The Gemara says, Behatanya, didn't we learn in the Braita? Raglo ahat betochatum. The raglo ahat chutzlatum yekanes. We said clearly that if he has one leg outside the tomb, he can go back in. So the Gemara says, Ha mane ahirimi. Now, that's following the opinion of ahirim. Who is ahirim? Rabbi Meir. Detanya, because we have a brighter. Ahirim omrim. A person is thrown back to where his majority is. Meaning, if the majority of his body is on one side, even though he has one leg outside, Nizkar meaning he's thrown. So therefore, according to Ahirim, he says one leg is not the majority of your body. The majority of your body is inside from. So it comes out, we have a mahlukit, Tanaim regarding one leg. Ika de Amri, there's another version over here. Amar of Hanina, Raglo Ahat Betochatum. Veraglo Ahat Huslatum, Yekanis. According to this version, Rav Hanina is saying the opposite. He's saying in this case, Yekanis, you can go in. Dichtiv, and he brings the same pasuk. Imtashib Mishabbat, Raglecha. So he learns it the way you read it. Raglecha Karinan. You read it in plural. And therefore, so long as the only time you have to be worried is when the raglecha are out, meaning when both are out. That's when you have to be concerned. You have to be concerned that your feet, your legs do not go out. But if only one went out, it's okay. So according to the first version, he went the way it's spelled, raglecha. According to the second version, he went the way you read it, raglecha. Therefore, he gave you leniency that not until two. Oh, the hat and ya. So the we have a brighter that says 
Lo yikanes. It says, what do you mean? If you have one leg out, you shouldn't, can't go back in. It says, who the amark ahirim? Yeah, that's following ahirim. That, oh, oh, he's following ahirim. If harina is following the opinion of ahirim that says, Netanya, limkom shirubo, humizkar. Where the majority of his body is, that's where he gets thrown back. And therefore, according to the second version of Hanina, is agreeing to ahirim. That it goes after the majority of the body. Therefore, one leg out, you're still majority inside, therefore we throw you back to your majority. Comes the Gemara and continues. We said in the Mishnah that according to the Bili'ezer, if you're two Amma outside, you can jump back into your original tomb. Three Amma, no. The Bili'ezer gives us a different number. He says, if you're one Amma out, you can go back in. If you're two Amma out, you can't go back in. And now Mishnah, he said, the numbers are two and three. Kabbalah says, la kashya. No question. Ha de'akar hada vekam atarteh. Ha de'akar tarteh vekam atlat. Which means we're giving two different cases. Rashi. Look at Rashi on the fourth wide line. Matnitin de akar hada. Al Mishnah's talking where he was okayed one ama outside of his tomb. Shiyatsa minha achat, meaning he left from one, meaning he's standing in the second. He was okayed from one. He was one ama out, and he was okayed from there an ama. So he's in the second Amad, that means he's still within the tomb. That's she. She yatsa menachat ve'omed b'shniyah. Ve'achi kamar im b'shtayim omed. Meaning, not that he went out to. If he's standing in the second Amad, then already yikanes. Ubraita diktani shtayim lo yikanes. It means what? She yatsa mikol hashtayim. Meaning, he went out, meaning he's standing in the third Amma. So basically, the Beraita and the Mishnah are not arguing. It's all just looking at it, where he is standing. Let's read that inside the Gemara and get the Lashon. So the Gemara says here, The Mishnah is talking where he left one Amma, the Kam Atarte, he's standing in the second Amma. Therefore, he can... Go right back in. There in the bright, that's where he left. Two Amman that he's standing in the Vekam Atlat. And he's standing in the third. Kibara says, Vehatanya, we learned in the bright that Abili Ezer Omer, Afilu Amma Ahat, Lo Yichanes. Even if you're just one Amma out, you can't go back in. So the Gemara says, Ki tanya That's talking about a person that is measuring. What does this mean? Because we learn in the Mishnah later on, A guy that's measuring on Shabbat is 2,000 Amma to walk. No matter where his 2,000 Amma end, even if it ends in the middle of a cave, he stops in the middle of the cave. 
What is this a reference to? Rashi. Then more did. Shahashkalo. Erev Shabbat, he was walking in the road. Now all of a sudden became dark. Ve'amar shvitati bimkomi. So we had no choice. He said, all right, my shvita is going to be where I am. Umodid alpayim pisiot benuniyot. So we learned in that case, how does he know where his 2,000 amma is? So he takes 2,000 steps, mediocre steps, and that becomes his tum. Which means maybe by that he'll be able to enter the city. But what happened? The guy's tum uh, of 2,000, it was one amma short outside of the city. Lo yikanis. You can't enter. Because even if the 2,000 would bring him into the city, he's not allowed to move anyway more than the 2,000. Why? Even if it ends up in a cave, which is an enclosed area, Why? Since he counted alpayim, which means once already he counted from his makom shvita, he counted the four amot that he has over there. Plus he counted an additional two thousand. So therefore, that's that's exactly where it takes him. If he goes another amah, he's now going further than he's allowed to. So therefore, in a case where a person was modeled before Shabbat, in a situation like this, if he's one amma outside, the Bidi'ezer will tell you, you cannot go in. View of this <laughs> last deen that we just said, according to the Bidi'ezer. When the guy had a shivita, let's say, in a city, and he walked out more than 2,000 amma, so then we said, if he is within two amot of the tomb, Meaning he could has now where he's outside the tomb he has four amot and according to the Bidiz, he's in the middle of the four amot he has two amma on each side so he can move to amma get back in the tomb and then walk back into his original area when did the Bidiz say that even if you're one amma out you cannot that's a special deen of the modid where he made a shivita of shabbat in a certain spot he was holich baderich the deen is he counts two thousand steps. The deen is those 2,000 medium steps, wherever he ends, he ends. Which means, even if those steps take him one amah shy of the tomb of the city, he cannot go an extra amah, because already he walked 2,004. Meaning, he walked the place where he was, he has four amot. So he gets 2,000 amah from the four amot, the end of the four amot where he is. Once he gets to the last step, that's as far as he can go. Even though that amma technically is within the home, now he's going to walk a 2,005th amma. That already, they do not allow him to walk that extra amma, even though it might be muvlar betoch hatom. As opposed to the case where it be the... Now, for that matter, I want to point out, even if that brought him into the city itself, which means even if the modid ended up in the city by walking his 2,000, that's where already he stops. 
as opposed to the case of Rabbi Diyazid that said you have to amar, that's not where he left his home, but he could still get back with, into his home that he had originally going into Shabbat. So if he's within two amar of the original home, he is okay. Comes the last Mishnah of the Perik. Person uh, ended up uh, on Shabbat being uh, outside of the tomb, even one amma. So the Mishnah says, Lo you cannot go back inside. The B Shimon Omer, Afilu he says you can even go back in up to 15 amot. Why? She'en ha-meshuchot mamsin etamidot mepene ha-to'in. Which means in the olden days, they used to set up the uh, boundaries of the city by measuring. There were signs exactly where the tomb is. Uh, they would measure with ropes that measured 50 amma. And they would, uh, you know, pull the ropes and they would measure exactly, you know, where the ropes go. Now, how many ropes do you need to measure uh, 2,000 amma? So you need 40 ropes. So you have to go 40 times technically and keep on measuring. Now, in the measuring of these uh, shi'urim, they did lose some some yardage. Meaning, they have to hold the ropes themselves. So in holding the ropes, you're losing a little uh, to each to each side. So therefore, uh, at the end of the day, they would usually, based on the holding of the rope and on both sides, the different tefahim that they would lose as a result would put the tomb usually 15 amah short. So technically, wherever the marker for the tomb was, you really had an extra 15 amal leeway for the people that, let's say, went outside. You always had a 15 amal uh, leeway. Now, uh, if you want to read how that works, uh, let's read the Rashi here. First Rashi says, It's not exactly, it's about 15. So he says, the reason is because... Mishnah, she'en ha-meshuchot, the meshuchot, those are the measurers that use the ropes, mamsin etamidot, they don't make the, look at that, she modede ha-tehumin la-ayarot, ve'osin siman le-tokhatum, those guys that make the sign, they don't do it precise, la-shi, ena mamsin etamidot, le-hasida siman, they don't put the sign, besof al-payim, ena konsan otam le-toch al-payim, they move it up a little. And therefore they put it 15 amma earlier. So therefore you think you're outside the tomb, you're really not. You get a 15 amma leeway. So the Gemara says, Tana mipne hamida. Which means it's because the, um, the mistakes that are made. Now, uh, if you look at the bottom of that she, that she tells you how this works. Look at three lines from the bottom. It's actually the Mishnah that's going to be later on, or Daphne and Zion's coming up. But it says like this, 
ארבעים חבלים יש לאלפיים, יד פורי רופס, וכל חבל וחבל מתמעט שתי אחיזות. You lose the two grips on both sides, because it's holding the, uh, the rope. שזה תופס מכאן וזה תופס מכאן, והאחיזה טפח וחצי אצבע. So technically for each rope you're losing two tefahim and two etzbaot per rope. So that brings you on 40 ropes. So you're losing uh, 80 tefahim. And 40 etzbaot. Now what does that take you to? Ha'olin, that would come out. Liyud tefahim. That would take you to a tenth of him. Because each tefah is... Uh, well, if you have mem etzbaot, takes you to those four etzbaot per tefah. So if you have 40 etzbaot, takes you to 10, so you have 90 tefahim. Now, how many tefahim in amma? Six. So therefore, technically you have 15 amma. So because of the, the shortage of the, of, the, uh, of the ropes, of the measuring, so you're going to be 15 amma short. So therefore, halakha, not halakha, but Rabbi Shimon's deen is what? That if a guy walks out of the tomb, let's say, uh, even if he's, let's say, 15 amma up to outside the sign, you're still considered within the tomb, and therefore you can go back in, you have no problem. According to Rashi, Rashi has two ways of understanding this Lashon of Tu'e Hamida. It's either that on purpose the measurers put a little earlier, in order that if a person makes a mistake and goes out a little more because he doesn't know where the tomb ends, he has a little more leeway. Second explanation is the measurers themselves, because of the way they held the yardstick, or the way they held the ropes, automatically it would put the Ayruv 15 amma early. So it's either Torah that's going on the people that would make a mistake, or it's going on the ones that were measuring that it was an inaccurate measure because of the way they were holding it.